Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. Big things ahead. Three big things here this week. Your Cleveland.com coverage team. Number one, this is a J.T. Barrett podcast. We will have our season preview podcast later in the week. This is all about J.T. Barrett as part of J.T. Barrett Week here at Cleveland.com. Number two, we are in our fancy Cleveland.com studio. Listen to that resonance. And number three, get ready for this. Here we go. Bring it, TB. Well, hello, world. I have arrived on the, on the pod, everybody. <laughs> that is Tim Bielek. He sounds like a professional voiceover guy. He's the third member of our Cleveland.com coverage team. He's been on board for a couple weeks. He has not yet done the podcast, and he is in for the JTP, JTB bod podcast. We have TB. That was awful. Uh, that's too many. You're out. I can't say it. <laughs> um, all right, so listen, we're going to get into everything about JT Barrett. We've been writing about JT Barrett this week. Bill Landis has a giant JT Barrett story coming Thursday. We had a video that went up Tuesday of all of JT Barrett's uh, teammates and coaches and opponents talking about the kind of player he is. You want to go watch that video. Tim had a great timeline of JT's career. We are going to have all the records that he has already broken and can break this year. That's coming. Bill is going to have uh, all these breakdowns of the best and worst of JT Barrett's career, the best plays, the worst plays, the best games, the worst games. But we want to talk about him today. We're going to talk about three things mostly. His legacy, his 15 and 16 season, and what it means for the 17 season. We're going to go back a little bit and how he felt about that. Mostly we're going to get into this year. And then we're going to talk about NFL stuff. But Bill, you had a half-hour interview with JT Barrett. Tell the people... Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, Doug Maurice. Tell the people, Bill, what that interview was like and the vibe you got about JT Barrett for this coming season. Does he think he needs to be a lot better than last year? Or does he think, no, you know, I mean, I was pretty decent. We'll get better. Everything's good. Or did it feel like a guy who wants a reset for 2017? Um, I mean, kind of all that sort of rolled into one. I don't think JT Barrett thinks he was awful the last two seasons. I know there are fans who certainly think that way, and there's a lot of evidence to support that. Um, maybe awful is too strong of a word. But I asked him point blank, and, and he's been asked other versions of this question throughout this training camp. Like, are are you the same quarterback you were in 14? How are you better because you should be better at this point? And he, he laid some stuff out. Um, he talked a lot about how in 2014 he didn't really know what he was doing. The game plans were always simplified for him. Defenses didn't know how to game plan for him because he was a new quarterback. And then his, as he progressed in his career, uh, there was more tape. Teams figured out things. How, teams figured out ways to beat him, and maybe he didn't always find the best counter for that. Um, but he wasn't. We we wondered whether or not the spring and now this camp how much of a of a teardown of JT there would be. And and there wasn't, from what I can tell. There were some tweaks with footwork and certainly mental tweaks with Ryan Day trying to get inside his head. But I think JT truly believes that, that he is the same quarterback he was, if not better than 2014, um, that the talent around him, and he didn't say this, but the talent around him had some things to do with how he played last year and that because everyone around him is better, he's a smarter quarterback, he has more knowledge of the game, he's got some different coaches doing some different things, that he's going to be better in, in, in 2017. But... He was not – he was very reflective, more reflective than I thought he would be considering we talked about – we talked last week and they were a little over two weeks away from their season opener and he was very willing to talk about last year, but he was not – he was not sort of like, well, what was me? He was not um, a, a guy who thought he had to 
completely reinvent himself for this season. Did he say the proof is in the film at any point? He did not say the proof is in the film. Okay. He's not Brock Osweiler. I feel good about that. Listen, that's, I want to go through a couple JT Barrett theories and, and maybe myths. I hate the word narratives. And I hate the word storylines. Those are made-up journalism words. The storylines, one word or two words? I don't even want, it doesn't matter because oh. it's not a word. It's a made-up thing. Does anyone ever say, like, walking around in their, in their life, like, hey, what's the storyline of, like, what you're doing today? It's like, well, I'm going to the grocery store, and then I'm going to get... No. It's just life. It's just stuff. So we're not going to talk about that. But I think they're... One of the things that we like to write about and talk about with JT Barrett, I want to think... Do, do you guys buy it? Is it a real thing? The idea that he was better in, 20, 000, in 2014, was that his best year as a quarterback? Like, when we say... When we look at the Michigan State game from that year, is that are we assessing that correctly? Are we looking at that wrong? Are we ascribing things there that aren't real? Or is there really something to the idea of when JT Barrett was young and blissful and didn't know what he didn't know, he was actually the best that he's been so far? Is that like a true thing that young JT, 2014 JT, was so far, the best JT. Yeah, I, I believe that. I guess it depends on how you define best. Um, goodest. You, goodest, yeah. If, if, if you watch that game, and I've watched it for some stuff. Other it's stuff the for, magic game. It, it's so, like, it's, everything is snap, two steps, look at my guy, he's not open, I'm going to run. And that was almost every drop back in that game. There were a few where he hesitated. And maybe he took a sack and he threw one or two errant passes in that game. But it was so decisive. Um, and he had and Devin Smith played out of his mind in that game. I actually forgot how well Devin Smith played now having gone back and watched it. That guy was he, he was, was like, good all he was good all year. He was great in that game against Michigan State. Um he was just running by people. Um But he wasn't JT wasn't as smart then as he is now. He doesn't know his own offense and opposing defenses or he didn't know his own offense and opposing defenses as well then as he does now. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's, it's some stuff we've gotten into and stuff I've written about, like is it possible to know too much and does knowing too much create hesitancy? And hesitancy was JT Barrett's biggest problem, I think, the last two years. So if, you're, if eliminating that takes him back to 2014 when he didn't know as much, then yeah, I guess that was JT Barrett at his best. And at the balance for him is taking all of this knowledge that he's accrued over the last three or well, four years, really, and somehow combining that with the kid who didn't know any better and was just dropping back and letting it rip or running when the guy he wanted to let it rip to wasn't there. And I, I have to agree with Bill, and I think there is something he was said about, you know, not knowing what he didn't know, and maybe in a way that's not the worst thing for a quarterback to react instead of think too much. And in 2016, I feel like we saw that a, a bit, and... Maybe 2014, he, like, he was better, but the big thing that stands out seemed like he was more consistent week to week. You know, he didn't really have, like in 2016, where he would have a couple good weeks and all of a sudden he would have a game that just wasn't good for, you know, he didn't throw enough yards or he had a lot of missed passes or interceptions, whatever. 2014, you didn't really see that. You saw week in and week out he would make an impact somewhere. Not just the Michigan State game, but, you know, just looking at the numbers throughout. I mean, just pretty consistent numbers get week to week to week, and he was an impact player. Uh, obviously, he had tremendous talent that made him look better, but he w he was doing his job, getting the ball to those guys, making things happen. In 2016, he just, the numbers are similar, 
but in a way. Yeah, but, 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 but go ahead with your butt, because I got a big butt. Well, I mean, the numbers are similar, but <laughs> the eye test is where you see a stark difference, I think, in 2016, because the numbers in this case, I think, can lie a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And people were using the numbers to lie to themselves and to you, loyal Ohio State fans, all of last year. Because, yeah, he ripped up Bowling Green. So the no, like week nine, week ten, people were writing stories like, well, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, the numbers aren't that. Do you have eyes? Yeah. It is, I don't care. Listen. Last year was a weird year. They had four blowouts that were the most lopsided games that you will ever see in college football. And two of them were against like actual human competition. So Bowling Green, <laughs> Rutgers, that I'm not counting as human competition, but Maryland, like Maryland beat Michigan State and lost to Ohio State 62 to 3 and Nebraska, like Nebraska was like a, is like a real thing. Nebraska wasn't one in a last year. You have his, his game log from last year. Yeah, I'm looking at it what right now. What were his now. numbers against Maryland and Nebraska? Uh, Maryland uh, threw for 253, two touchdowns, ran for 47 and two. Nebraska threw for 290 and four touchdowns. What were his completion percentages in those games? Um, 68.4 against Nebraska, 66.7 against Maryland. And that was actually probably the peak of that season. We can probably get in those last three games a little later. Yeah. So now here's the thing it, you can't play the game of. Well, I don't count as good games. The good games don't count. Only the bad games count. And part of blowing out Nebraska, the point is, is that Nebraska was actually a legitimately sort of competent team. They, their quarterback got hurt that game. They lost their mind. They got down on themselves. There clearly was a talent edge. But what was Nebraska? What was Nebraska last year? What, like they eight and four? I think they were eight and four. Yeah, they lost sixty-two to three to Ohio State. So listen, you got you're giving. Let's give JT Barrett and the offense and the Buckeyes credit for, for drubbing a team like Nebraska. Nebraska's not Rutgers, and they beat them 62-3. to Here's my big but. But against the, the best teams, the real teams, and even Michigan State played them very well last year, but against Northwestern, against Penn State, against Michigan State, against Michigan, you cannot look at what they did and just say, well, the numbers are the same as 2014. It was bad. It was, it was bad. And, and I don't think it was even average. It was, and this is one of my favorite words, and I steal it from Urban Meyer all the time, because bad is pejorative. I don't know what pejorative means. It means bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it means like uh, it has like a slant to it, right? Yeah, like negative it, connotation. Yeah. It was non-functional. You could not function the way an offense of a playoff team should function. And you couldn't do it because they could not throw the ball. And there's plenty of blame for that. But some of it falls on that quarterback. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we're going to be all over, the, all over the place with this podcast. Because we made out like a little outline. And then we said, we don't make outlines at Buckeye Talk. We just make stuff Swing up. It. Be like, this is how we do it here, by the way. Just get used to this. Also, we're probably going to talk about French fries at some point. Mm-hmm. When's the bucks? God, we were at McDonald's. We always say, twice a week, we start talking, and I say, save it for the podcast. And we said something at McDonald's yesterday, and I said, save it for the podcast, and now I cannot remember I think it was something travel-related about going to Europe. (laughs) 
That does not sound relatable to our audience. Are it definitely sure? was not food related. It wasn't about like uh, fried beans. We were or talking something? with Ryan Ginn at Land of Ten. He was in the mix too. Yeah, Ryan Ginn is all about Europe. Yeah, um, little ball of anger that guy. So okay, so here's the, here's here's. Uh, but Landis was sort of talking through. We like to talk through our stuff with you guys and with each other. Was talking through how we might write a story uh, about JT Barrett. He still hasn't written it. If not, it, so it's going to like appear on the website at like six o'clock Thursday morning. It's going to be done at like five fifty-one yeah. Thursday morning after he doesn't get any sleep. It's like doing homework. Yeah, yeah. he's cramming for his test. <laughs> so here's here's the question. I, I love imaginary stories and what ifs. Because reality itself bores me, mm-hmm. so I'd rather make things up, which is a great trait for a journalist. Um, let's talk through a world where J.T. Barrett doesn't break his ankle against Michigan. And I don't want to get into... I just... All right, I got to tell this story now, too. I just burped through my nose and it hurt so bad. Yeah, we heard it. <laughs> oh, my God, it came out my nose... I tried to save it, and it hurt. I got yeah. four free Diet Pepsis. I put $2 in the Diet Pepsi machine at Cleveland.com, and I got my $2 back and four 20-ounce bottles of Diet Pepsi. So now I'm going to drink 80 ounces of Diet Pepsi today. How many have you put my there? Is this body, the first one? My body is rejecting it. Yeah, that's the first one. I might not be able to drink the other three. That really hurt. <laughs> that is some professional podcasting yeah. right there. I'm you sorry. You, you, guys you don't to, get that everywhere. You guys had to live through that. I don't want to get into the would they won the national championship with JT instead of Cardale, and Cardale was better to throw against Alabama because he backed the safeties off and Ezekiel. I don't. We've gone through that a hundred times. I want to talk about it from the JT Barrett perspective, the perspective of JT Barrett finishes that season, whether they win the national championship or not. Like, and I know that's like a silly thing to say, yeah. but I just don't want to get bogged down in that. Because I'm not wondering about it from the team perspective. I'm wondering about it from the JT perspective. What do you think his career would have looked like? Because Cardale Jones never would have happened. JT Barrett 100% would have been the starter in 2015. We never would have gone through this quarterback controversy back and forth mumbo-jumbo that Urban Meyer, it's, it's his biggest mistake at, his, at Ohio State, is the way he handled the quarterbacks in 2015. I don't know exactly what the right answer was. What he did was incorrect, Mm -hmm. and it cost them the chance to make the college football playoff. If he handles that quarterback situation better, they beat Michigan State. No matter what the weather is that night, they're in the playoff. What does that look like for JT? Let's make an imaginary world. Just just talk me through where we would be sitting, what we'd be talking about. The quarterback JT Barrett would be had he never gotten hurt, and had, had he never lost his job, and that basically he had he started at quarterback every game of his career since 2014, and he's entering 2017 as the fourth year having started every game. What's that look like for him? How would we be talking about him right now on this JT Barrett podcast? And I'll try not to burp. Uh, I don't think we would be talking about him now because he wouldn't be on the team anymore. Ooh, that is a hot take. Um, Let me take a swig of Diet Pepsi to cool off. <laughs> Wow, I don't. Well, I guess the the question to go along with that is, would the apparent dysfunction among the offensive coaching staff have carried over into 2015 if the quarterback situation was all settled, you know, coming into the year? I, I don't know how much. Like clearly, Ed Warner and Tim Beck 
and Urban Meyer did not mesh well together calling that offense. And I wonder how much of that stemmed from the fact that they sort of lost their offensive identity because they didn't know what they were because they didn't know who the quarterback was. If there's if nothing changes and JT Barrett is the quarterback coming back in 2015 with, by the way, everyone who was still in that offense in 2014, regardless of national championship or not, we know the NFL talent that was on that roster. I don't know. I think I think he's he's putting up numbers very similar to what he did in 2014. I don't know what that means for team success, but I think you would have had three successive years, at least two, 14 and 15, that looked very similar. And maybe 16 gets a little wonky because they lost a lot of guys and JT's sort of the only guy back on an offense. But I think he would have shown enough at 14 and 15. It would have been somewhat understandable if he wasn't as good as in 16. But he still would be this decorated quarterback that he is. Maybe he's got a Big Ten championship ring, playoff, whatever. He, all he does is win games, and he's gone to the NFL. He's graduated, he's gone, his college career is over. And we're not talking about him now because he would have, he's in training camp somewhere. Bielek, you got to take that hot for us? Uh, I think I'm kind of, you know, riding that somewhere line. I mean, if you assume he's not hurt, he's played, we'll play what, almost 40 games? Started almost 40 games in his college career? More. But yeah, yeah. He'd, be, mean, a yeah. Three, he'd be a three-year starter. I mean, if it's like yeah. 14 times three. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah, you're right. So assume he plays... 30, almost 40 games, we assume that, you know, they beat Michigan. Maybe they don't blow out Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten title game. You know, they do sneak in, but maybe they don't beat Alabama or whatever. And then, say, Tom Herman doesn't go to, to Houston. He comes back for 2015. That team comes back even stronger. Maybe then they knock off Deshaun Watson or whatever. He has a championship in, 20, in the 2015 season. 16, who knows, but you would think about it. 40 starts, two Big Ten championships, a national championship. After that season, what else does JT Barrett have left to prove? Nothing. He would, he would be able to go to the NFL, have almost no regrets about, his, about how his college career went, and we'd be talking about if Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins would be the starting quarterback. He'd have the same arm he has, right? Did he have an arm transplant in your imaginary scenario, by the way? No. No, okay. I just want to double-check with all you guys and your NFL grandiose ideas about J.T. Barrett. He'd get a shot in the NFL, man. Okay, so two things I think did happen. One is Tim Beck. <laughs> Let's make this a Tim Beck podcast. It's actually That's uh, my favorite it's, podcast. We're 18 minutes in, and I'm surprised it's taken you this long to get to your guy. You know, you share your initials are the same as Tim Beck's, Bielek. You're basically the same person. Prepare for me to get angry at you. Um, <laughs> Noted. Tim Beck stepped in to a job that I don't think he was prepared for, and I don't think he should have. He was the wrong hire for Ohio State. Because of the quarterback situation he inherited, or just in general? So, in general. Okay. But my point is, I didn't like the hire, I didn't like the result. But he stepped into the worst situation he could have stepped into. He stepped into like the most talented quarterback room in America, and he didn't know what to do. He was like a deer in the headlights. The first time we ever asked him about like, oh, so you're the quarterback's coach. Who's the quarterback's going to be? Who's the quarterback going to be? He was like, oh, I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's the coach makes it. It's like he was afraid of it. So you complicated an already complicated situation for – an underwhelming coach because of that injury. And then you made JT Barrett sad. And, and I want you to get into this. He got in his own head. Mm -hmm. 
in the preseason of 2015. And I think for him to be in his own head because of that competition then magnified the fact that he, I feel, had a tremendous drop-off in the level of coaching in that quarterback room. And it was the worst situation possible to have what I feel was a step-down in coaching in a very difficult situation. And if he would have had a step-down in coaching but it was smooth sailing, I think a lot of things, I think sort of the point you're making of a lot of things just would have been easier because... If you had had a great quarterbacks coach, maybe you could have navigated that complicated quarterback situation. But talk about this now. He did right. He looks back on 2015. Mm-hmm. JT Barrett does and realizes I pressed, I tried too hard, I wasn't myself, and that quarterback competition messed with him, and it basically blew a hole in the middle of his career. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I did that thing where, like, you know, like you're, you're interviewing someone and. You think you might say something that might offend them, so you sort of dance around it. And I was like asking him a question. I was like, "What was it like in 2015? You know, when it was you and Cardale, and maybe you got a little bit." And he stopped me. And he's like, "I was trying to do too much." And like he he finished the question for me. I was like, "Yeah, trying to do too much. What was that like?" Um, he was not, admittedly, he was not himself in 2015, and it lingered. It it lingered. I think. Um, what he made that start against Rutgers, right? He was not the starter. He was the red zone quarterback, and then he was a starter against Rutgers. And I think up until that point against Rutgers, he did not feel like himself. And I don't think he ever totally felt like himself for that entire season. Um, but I, I very much got the vibe. He did not like the two quarterback stuff. The way he said it, he's like, oh, I was that red zone guy or whatever. Like, he did not want to be that guy. He wanted to start, I think, or maybe not sit, but he didn't want to be situational JT red zone quarterback. Um, so there were a lot of things messing with his head, and he he talked a lot about when I spoke with him about the the toll that that took on him, and and how he strived kind of to make sure people didn't see him ever get down on himself. But there were times he said, you know, I'd sit home in my apartment and I'd talk to my family or my mentors or like his old high school coach and about what was going wrong and and. You know the what he could do to fix it, and it was I thought it was the most vulnerable he's been about the whole thing that and admitting to it making him feel a certain kind of way I'll probably say i didn't I tried my best not to allow it to affect me or let it be seen like there was times where you know what I'm saying where I'm at the house and, you know I had my own you know human element of thinking those yeah. things and you know feeling you know i guess down would be the word and uh you know. Just talking to dude, you know, my dad, mom, my mentors, and understanding, like, you know what I'm saying, we just got to keep on grinding. Like that kind of like if anything happened in somebody's life, you know what I'm saying, we're going to have yeah. a hard time. So I think that was a thing. But as far as, uh, you know, on game day or, uh, you know, out there on the field, like not letting those, you know, come into us. Because this is like a workplace, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So uh-huh. like not letting it affect the workplace. Okay, so let's go let's go back to reality now a little bit. I love the fantasy world, the imaginary JT Barrett didn't get hurt world. But let's talk about what's happening right now and the idea that this guy's legacy is on the line. And that's kind of a stupid thing to say because it's like, well, the season's on the line, the hopes national championship hopes of this team are on the line, and that's what we'll define as legacy. He's not playing for his legacy, he's playing for to win as many games as possible, and then we'll evaluate him later. But he 
it is just the dichotomy of that he is one of the all-time greats and there are people who think he should be benched. It's just so rare. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, if we talk about, well, what's his legacy going to be, then we're, gonna, we're, we're just like guessing how this year's going to go. So I'm not exactly asking that. But, but do you think that that is a fair representation of where we stand right now, that this guy sort of has a foot in both worlds, that he is a guy whose picture is going to be hanging in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center forever, sort of no matter what happens this year. But he's also a guy that might not be as good as Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> like, yeah, is I that don't, real? I, I, don't, I don't know... Um... I don't know if his picture is going to end up hanging in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. God, you're to, negative. Well, it's not to be negative. I can't, it's, I it's, can't believe he sat down and talked to you, frankly. Like yeah, how much you're acting. Um, well, you've, we've talked about it before. It's like he has all these records because Ohio State's passing records are, are nothing compared to where college football is at the moment. Yeah. So JT Barrett has a special place, I suppose, as, as being – I don't even know if he's this. I thought he was this, and then I thought about it more in my head the other day. Like, is he the defining quarterback of the Urban Meyer era at the moment? If Braxton Miller was crazy for two years, Cardell Jones is the guy who won the championship, but JT Barrett played more games than both of them. Who's the defining quarterback at the moment of the Urban Meyer era? I mean, it is, it's like, he is his Tim Tebow of Ohio State so far. With a giant caveat. Right. And if we're to believe that Urban Meyer is not going to be here forever. And which, even if, which is a – we had that podcast in the yeah. drive on the drive up it's here. It's a separate thing. but You don't want to hear – Yeah. You don't want to hear what I think about that. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that like in three months. The, my, I guess my point is that if Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State is not going to be 20 years long, and at the moment JT Barrett is – I guess as close as you're going to have, he is a defining quarterback of the era. I think it's very possible that whatever his legacy is, like sort of becomes a, a, a footnote in whatever Meyer accomplishes from here on out. If especially if JT doesn't win a national championship or a Big Ten championship this year, his name is going to be at the top of all the record books. Um, but I think that's more of a reflection of changing college football and Ohio State catching up with the times more than it is JT Barrett being a super dynamic player. He's not the most dynamic player. A quarterback Urban's had it was Braxton Miller. It's not even close. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel I feel like he is like you said. He's got one foot on each side, and it's like on one on one end, it's like oh yeah, he was pretty good, and on the other end, it's like he is the best quarterback to ever play here. He won a championship. He owns all the records. Why are we even talking about it? And I like I don't know if anyone's ever been in that position at any school. So Tim, you you are compiling this record list that's going to go up uh, on Cleveland.com this week as part of this. And I'm not asking you to recite everything you've compiled so far, but is it not, I mean, again, just to remind people, and some of this we're telling you stuff you guys already know, but sometimes it's good to be reminded. Is it not an impressive list of what this, how this guy's name is going to be all over the record books for a long time? It's crazy. And, you know, I'm going to go into this as well in my records post, which you'll find on cleveland.com in the days to come. Um, that not only is he going to set has Ohio State records already, he could still get more, and he can even set some Big Ten records, which is crazy to think about. But Bill brought it up perfectly, and kind of extrapolating on that, it seems like 
the, the legacy of JT Barrett is complicated because it's like we're talking about two separate players. It's almost yeah. like Jekyll and Hyde. Because on one in one player is the 2014 JT Barrett, and you know you could say Cardell Jones won in the title. You can also argue that they don't have a they're not in a position to get there without JT Barrett and what he did up until he got hurt in that Michigan game. Absolutely. Then you have the JT Barrett who got the starting job back in 2015, and since then, outside of a couple games, has not just for whatever reason not looked like the same guy. And that's what's weird is again we talked a few minutes ago about how the numbers and the eye test don't match and it really is the story of JT Barrett I think is we've all seen how good he can be and we've also seen the last three games where he looked nothing like that guy I mean especially against Michigan State and Clemson he looked unrecognizable compared to what he did in 2014 he didn't even he didn't look like the same guy and you could put that on I think a thousand different reasons but I mean the bottom line is just just wasn't the guy that I think everybody thought he was in 2014. He could still possibly be that guy this season, but that is gonna that is kind of leaving this cloud over the legacy. All right, I'm gonna blow your minds here with a little twist. I like here's what I like doing. I like stating how I think and then reversing myself in the middle yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. So I'm gonna reverse myself. Then I'm gonna get to my boy G Nilly ninety seven. We had a little Twitter argument in a very good way. We almost had G Nilly on the show, but I don't think he could make it in the afternoon. We're gonna have him because he's got a job and stuff. He has a life, yeah. unlike us, just talking into a microphone. Listen, let's think of J T Barrett's. What if you thought of J T Barrett's career this way? Two thousand fourteen, he is thrown into the starting role as a redshirt freshman when nothing is expected of him. Back. Braxton Miller was one of the best players in college football at that point. That was an unbelievable, devastating injury to this team. Weeks before the start of the season, they put in a redshirt freshman who had never played before that we weren't even sure was going to be the number two quarterback. And that guy put them on the precipice of the playoff. That guy was unbelievable, unbelievable all year. That's his first year. His second year, basically through very little fault of his own, he gets caught in a quarterback competition where one of the greatest coaches in college football history blows it and messes with his head. And this guy never complains, tries to make the best of a bad situation. And in the end, in the last game of the season, is running an offense that against Michigan and Notre Dame that year, looked like a national championship offense. Not throwing it, but running the show, running the ball, distributing. If they could have gotten out of their own way for half an hour in the Michigan State game, they might have won the national championship with JT Barrett as their quarterback. There was a really talented Notre Dame team that they took apart and had no trouble scoring on in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a decent Michigan team. They destroyed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's his second year. His third year, they are the least experienced team in college football. And by hook or by crook, some way, somehow, this guy as a leader running the offense with poor offensive coaching drags this team of nobodies to the playoff. That team had no business being a playoff team last year. That was a 10-2 team that somehow 
got through the regular season at 11-1 and one and impressed the committee enough to make the playoff. And if you thought that that was a playoff team from the get-go, you were just living on Ohio State pixie dust. You were not living in reality. That team got smoked by Clemson. That team should not have been there. That team was not really one of the four best teams in the country, not with so few experienced guys and with everything they lost the year before. So that's 2014, Miracle saved the season. 2015, he gets caught in a controversy not of his own making. 2016, he drags a completely inexperienced team to the playoff, and now he's a senior. That's JT Barrett. Where's his fault? Out. That was our JT Barrett podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, I don't really believe that. that. I don't really believe that. that. (laughs) I don't really believe that. But I'm just saying, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to look at it that way and think that those three years of those experiences are building up to a guy with better coaching, a guy with a more experienced offensive line, a guy with receivers who have to be better than last year, a guy with all that good and bad in his past, a guy who works his butt off, a guy who people acknowledge as one of the best leaders they've ever been around, and he is about to drop one of the great seasons in Ohio State history on you and lead this team to a national championship, and everything that just happened those three years has been building to this. On the table. On the table. I've always thought. You, you personally believe that's on the table? I believe it could happen. Okay. I'm not sure I would. I don't think I would bet on it. I'm not picking JT Barrett to win the Heisman. I'm not believing that these receivers are magically, receivers who they lost their two best receivers. The other guys are magically going to be better. And Ben Victor and Austin Mack, his sophomores who didn't play last year at all, are going to suddenly emerge as the new Devin Smith and Michael Thomas. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a Devin Smith and Michael Thomas here, and a Devin Smith and Michael Thomas would sure make JT Barrett's life a little bit easier. I need to see it. I'm not going to have any faith in it happening until I see it. So I need to see it on August 31st. I need to see it against Oklahoma. But the problem is we saw it against Oklahoma to a degree last year, and it was a facade. I think in the end we we really didn't see it against Oklahoma. If you go back and watch, like – he was just throwing jump balls to Noah Brown against the guy who should have been playing cornerback. Two guys who should have been playing cornerback. By the way, neither of those guys are on the team anymore. Um, it wasn't – it was all smoke and mirrors last year. But also part of it is, but he didn't throw those balls anymore then. All we're, we're asking him to throw some jump balls and let his receivers make plays, and he double-pumped and triple-clutched his way through the last half of the season. That's true. Let the – a guy caught a pass. On someone's back. On someone's back. Give them a chance, my friend. Give them a chance, JT. Okay, let's let JT Barrett talk about his legacy. I mean, I always thought about it like you know, when it's all said and done, like when I'm under my cleats and, you know, I guess have my children come back to Ohio State, like that's going to be something I can bring, you know, so I can show them, like, Hey, that's the chase on this is you know, ten yeah. fourteen like like I feel like that's the time where you reflect on those things and that's something that, you know, I could definitely be proud of. Hopefully my family can be proud of that. Um, I think that's gonna be more legacy type of I guess talks. But as far as now, um, you know what I'm saying? Like 
I'm not saying it's bad to reflect, but um, it's almost like, you know what I'm saying? You when, when's the yourself. time? You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's not really time for that to take place. And, you know, there's still things that I do want to accomplish here and just continue to grow and get better. But I think, you know, it's all said and done. And, and my cleats and, you know, come back to Ohio State, like, that's something that I would like to do. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to try to figure out what JT Barrett's season is going to be like. But I'm going to let my friend GNilly97 on Twitter express what I think is a, a view held certainly by some Ohio State fans. He uh, tweeted to me that uh, Tom Luganbill had, is, a, is he on ESPN? Mm-hmm. Like a sideline reporter on ESPN, recruiting guy? Yep. Had been at Ohio State. He said on the radio that, that JT Barrett is very limited as a quarterback. He's a good leader, but he's going to need others to emerge as a threat. That basically JT Barrett's not going to be the guy who, with his own play, is going to lead these guys to a national championship, which, again, is not a unique opinion. Um, I responded and said, I do think there's a difference between uh, quarterback and thrower. I think it's, it's people sometimes too much talk about what they really mean is that JT Barrett isn't a great thrower. And they say he's not a great quarterback. And we haven't talked about this a lot specifically. He does two things that are unbelievable, and you will miss it when he's gone, when you watch guys who can't do it. He runs like a mofo. He is a great runner. Mm -hmm. He's not super fast. He is a load to bring down. One of the best quotes we have, we have this video of teammates, coaches, and opponents talking about JT Barrett. It's a video that Bill got at Big Ten Media Days from Rashard Font. Font or Fant? I think it's Fant. I think you should go with Font. Yeah. I like that ah, that schwa pronunciation of the a, of the hmm. a in that situation. I'm going to talk to him about that. He was talking about trying to come up and tackle JT Barrett in the backfield, and that like he said he went down and I tackled him, but I ended up somewhere else. That it felt like I was tackling a 250 pound dude. Yeah. He's got powerful legs. He's got a powerful lower body. I think he has a good combination of some shiftiness, some speed, great strength, great instincts. He is a tremendous runner. And the second part of that is he runs the zone read so well. He makes a lot of good decisions. All we did, you guys I think were in middle school, when Braxton Miller was the quarterback (laughs) here, and you guys were uh, six years old, (laughs) all we ever did with Braxton was we were trying to figure out, is he reading it? Or is he making a predetermined, like, okay, I'm handing it off this time? Because you've got to read the end. You've got to read who's crashing down. You've got to try to figure out in that split second, do I keep it or hand it off? And if you can't do that in the Urban Meyer offense, you really bog this offense down. Braxton Miller was like the Tasmanian devil. You couldn't tackle that guy. He could not run the zone read that well. Cardell Jones can throw it 80 yards blindfolded, backwards, standing on one foot, he cannot run the zone read that well. We have come to take the zone read for granted because JT Barrett runs it like a virtuoso. Yes, Landis? He does. And and if Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow or Tate Martell or the next guy who's the starting quarterback here can't do that, you are going to be longing for the days of JT Barrett because if they if they have a quarterback who can't do that and make those instantaneous reads, you have to do something else because a fundamental part of your offense is breaking down. That was a four-minute tangent. So G. Nilly said, I said, he's, he's a quarterback, not a great thrower, but 
Don't mm-hmm. forget about him as a quarterback. Genially says, agreed, but if you have the most talent in the country on your roster, should you have to settle for an option that is limited as a thrower? If Chris Worley was limited as a tackler, they would plug in the next five-star recruit. I would rather go 10-3 and three and see the Deshaun Watson-type potential of Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins rather than go 12-2 and two with JT, make the playoff, and then like have it fall apart. And... He's sort of saying, like, if JT can't cut it, should you sort of go with young guys, sort of being tantalized by the potential of those young guys? And so I want to get this rid of this argument really quickly, which is, no, Nilly, you're crazy. You don't throw a season away. If you can make the playoff, you make the playoff and hope that everybody on Alabama's team gets lost on the bus on the way to, to the stadium and you win the game. Like, I, yeah, not... everybody wants to throw seasons away. People want to throw the Cavs seasons away. And like, well, LeBron's going to be a Laker next year, so let's just... You have a chance. You're the best team in the East this year. Seasons matter. This season with JT Barrett matters. You do not play for next year at Ohio State. Ohio State has entered the realm. Last year was the year to play for next year. Mm -hmm. At Ohio State, you play for every year because every year you have a chance to win it all. Makes me angry. (laughs) JT Barrett... You, so your only decision about the quarterback position and every position is how do you win right now? You don't play Dwayne Haskins because you hope that it's going to get an experience for 2020. I mean, let's not be ridiculous about this. But Nilly makes a point of people being worried about the limitations of JT Barrett. So you guys tell me, what is this season going to look like for JT Barrett? Is it going to be great? Is it that one scenario I threw out where everything that's happened is building up to an unbelievable Heisman-like national championship. It just If he doesn't win the Heisman, if they don't win the national championship, he could still have a great year. Yeah. Are we building up to that? Or are we building up to, oh, my God, there's a quarterback controversy? Or are we building up to, it was good. They were good. But they were a step short. I don't know my answer yet, Tim, so you go first. Oh, oh see, that's how it works right. in this podcast, too. Okay, well. Put people on the spot, then I leave the room, and Landis passes the baton. That's how that works. <laughs> All right, well, what? I'll kind of go on with what you said. Just because he has limitations doesn't make him bad. And I think in 2014, what they did was they maximized what he can do and kept and what he couldn't do, they limited and tried to maximize what he was best at. And that's just letting him distribute the football. And with theoretically better coaching this year with Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day, who I think we, as we've learned in media days, uh, when we talked to the team in fall camp, probably the most overlooked guy up until about two weeks ago when all of a sudden you know you realize he's got more of an impact in this thing than we realize so i'm thinking you know he i I can get into my pre, uh, records later on in another podcast but i think performance wise we could there's a potential to see something closer in 2014 because i feel like in this new offense with kevin wilson running the show and, and let's remember, Kevin Wills is a, a guy who last year called J.T. Barrett the best quarterback in the country. And uh, he was not inebriated when he said that. He was not. <laughs> <laughs> and this, like in a world. He threw for 93 yards. That's what it was. He threw, for, <laughs> he threw for 93 yards. It was like, I don't know if Kevin Wilson was trying out for the offensive coordinator position in the <laughs> middle of coaching Indiana. Um, but, yes, he actually said that. And I think he kind of might have been it. Go ahead, Tim. Right. And if you look at the offenses Kevin Wilson had in Indiana, I mean, you 
like JT Barrett, far and away better than any of those quarterbacks he had. You could definitely say Nate Sudfeld's in the NFL. You're just taking a shot at Xander Diamont like that. You're just gonna <laughs> no. come hot on your first podcast. Well, I'm just... so pretty. I think well, I think I think there's a lot of people at Ohio State when you say Xander Diamont have some nightmares going on. From I only ran like 93 yards and made nine people miss tackles. <laughs> but go ahead, and say that JT Barrett's better than him. Well, <laughs> when you look at what he did with lesser talent, at more like almost across the board at Ohio State, and you bring that offense in. I think you'll see more variety in what the offense is going to run, particularly in the passing game. That's what he was brought in for, to improve the passing game. And I think in that way, even though Ohio State doesn't have those game-breaking receivers, I think the way the scheme will work, it'll give Barrett more chances to get those guys in space, to let them make plays. And just because we don't know those guys aren't going to be studs doesn't mean in a month from now we're not talking about how Ben Victor is going to have a thousand yards. I mean, last for example, last season we didn't know that Draymond Jones and Jerome Baker were going to be keys to this defense this season. Mm-hmm. Again, it's almost the cop out of we don't know what we don't know because we we won't see it till August thirty first. But the mystery of the unknown and that segueing that into that a little bit of what Gene Elliott was talking about, just because you. It's not throwing away the, not talking about throwing away the season, and I'll get back on to my point in a second, but it's the unknown of what the Kevin Wilson offense is going to look like in game action, combined with the unknown of the other receivers. Barrett is the known. We know he, he has limitations, but we know if they're, if what he does well is maximized, we get what we get in 2014, and I think that's more what we're going to see. If uh, it looks like Tim is staking out the optimistic side of the uh, podcast here yeah. which is not a bad thing i look at life i look at the glass half full sometimes yeah. you look at the uh, french fry container as doug, half full. doug uh, dumps a glass out and smashes against the wall <laughs> swears <laughs> burps through his nose <laughs> like a crazy old man go ahead bill uh, on the spot i still i tim kind of changed my mind a little bit wow look at that yeah. Tim Bielek like changing right? hearts and changing minds in his very first podcast appearance. Just wait. You've till been I... on here for like a hundred episodes. You've never changed my mind. Just wait till <laughs> just wait just wait till episode five then. Um, I, I still don't know though. I, I I think the offense is going to be good. I think the offense is going to be good enough to accomplish what they want to accomplish this year. I don't know whether or not JT Barrett's going to put up comparable numbers in twenty fourteen. I think probably not, but that doesn't mean he's going to have a bad year. But I think, and this is where Tim changed my mind a little bit, Kevin Wilson throughout his career has been a master of building his offense and tailoring it to whatever he has. He had Sam Bradford, he had uh, DeMarco Murray at Oklahoma, he had Nate Sudfeld, he had Tevin Coleman, he had Divine Redding. Like he, whatever, his offense was not the same every year. It switched, like the principles or whatever carry over, but the way you operate changes from year to year depending on who you have. And I think that Kevin Wilson will make an offense that, that suits JT's strengths, like Tim said, and that is making a fast offense where JT doesn't have to think. Where he plays point guard, he hands the ball off to Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins, he runs it himself, he takes some shots down the field, but he's throwing bubbles, he's throwing, he's throwing quick slants, he's working the middle of the field at tight ends and H-backs, and it just takes a lot of the load of decision-making, I think, off of JT's shoulders. 
um, which I think was part of the problem the last two years. He talked a lot about when I spoke with him about like the way the offense was situated. Like he was making the decisions when he got to the line of scrimmage, based on what the defense dictated to him and the play they had called. He was waiting for guys to get open because he knew they were supposed to be open. And then when they weren't, he would pump. He would throw the ball into the stands. He would throw it in the dirt. Like he was, his mind was racing. And for as smart as he is, and I think he's a very smart quarterback, I think he thinks too much. And people I've talked to have kind of said the same thing. He's sort of a cerebral kind of dude. Um, if that element is eliminated, I think they have a successful offense. If you want me to put it and pin it down, like, statistically, do I think he's going to be as good as he was in 2014? No. I may, maybe very similar. We did over-unders. We set the passing yards at 3,000 yards. I was under that. Um, I think rushing-wise, he's probably going to carry it a few times fewer than he did in 2014 because of Mike Weber and Dobbins and Paris Campbell and all those guys. But I think the offense has a successful season um, with JT at quarterback this year. Okay. Here's what I think. I think that we spend a lot of time in our cars, driving to work, taking kids to school, driving to see the Buckeyes play or the Browns or the Indians. Here's what you can do, people. You can bring Cleveland.com's podcasts along for the ride. You can also take them when you're walking your dog, Landis, because you don't let your dog go to the bathroom in your yard because he's scared. You have to walk him. Do you listen to podcasts when you walk your dog? I do. Okay. And who are you listening to? You are listening to the most experienced writers in Cleveland sports. And we take you inside the beats of your favorite teams every day of the week. This is our expanded Cleveland.com podcast world. Mondays, Orange and Brown Talk. That's Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Labe, Scott Patsko breaking down the Browns. Now, during camp, they've been doing it every day. Frankly, like crazy people. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody... They might be the only people in America who do a podcast every day. We did one every day at the bowl game last year, but that was just for a week. That wasn't for a full NFL training for a month and a half. Yeah. So at some point, they're going to stop doing it every day, but for now, I think it's every day. But once the season starts, it's going to be every Monday, the orange and brown talk with those three folks. Um, Tuesdays, wine and gold talk. That's a podcast with Chris Fedor and Joe Varden. Is it about alcohol and jewelry? (laughs) And it's, it's about, uh, it's about uh, I want some more gold. Um, I believe they just dropped their first podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Chris Feeder was asking me how to process a podcast. Go listen to that. Listen, the Cavs are exploding. They're exploding. And who do you want to hear talk about that? Joe Varden and Chris Fedor. Wednesdays, let's be straight, the best podcast. Mm-hmm. Buckeye Talk, the three of us. Thursday, Tribe Talk. Joe Noga, Paul Hoynes, talking about the Indians. They're trying to get to the World Series again. You've got to listen to people talk about that. And then Friday, maybe Fridays, maybe <laughs> other days. Listen, Takes by the Lake, we're still working it out a little bit. I'm going to have a good Takes by the Lake this week because I'm going to talk with Ian Wharton, who's an NFL draft guy and NFL analyst that I respect. We're going to talk about all the rookie quarterbacks and how Deshaun Kaiser fits into that. And whether people in Cleveland should be saying, oh, man, I wish we would have taken Trubisky or Mahomes or Watson. Or maybe did the Browns get the guy who fits in here? We'll talk about how Kaiser has looked in the preseason. We'll talk about how all the rookies have looked in the preseason. I always liked this rookie uh, class of quarterbacks. Some people were down on them. But we're going to get into that. And the main thing is we're going to give you podcasts every day in this Cleveland.com podcast network. So we want to make sure that you are locked in. You are subscribing to Buckeye Talk on iTunes on all the other places you can get podcasts. Now, we have a separate feed for the other Cleveland.com podcast. You get in there, you get all the other ones. You get Takes by the Lake, 
You get orange and brown talk. You get tribe talk. You get wine and gold talk. So get in there. Subscribe on iTunes to cleveland.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk. Subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. And you can also see them all. This is a page you should bookmark. Write this down. Cleveland.com slash podcasts. My answer on JT Barrett is no answer. Okay. No. Oh, okay. You're, lucky. you're lucky we're running long. <laughs> Here's what I think. I'm going to know by halftime of the Indiana game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to know yeah. by halftime of the Indiana yeah. game. Two things. All I care about is him not hesitating. I just want him to be two-minute drill JT, third and long JT, confident JT. I've come around, I, I think I understand the kind of the quarterback JT Barrett is and isn't and what he can and can't be. I, all I care about is his confidence. We had a, a video we did where I tapped the microphone on my head because all I care about is where he is mentally. And so the thing that I think is, I think it's possible. Why am I going to not shoot you straight on Tim Beck? Tim Beck being out of the quarterback's room is a plus for this program. And if Tim, Tim Beck can at me, like, that's just legit. With pictures of Austin, downtown Austin. Ryan Day is better for JT Barrett. I can tell already. I can tell already. I think it's possible that his problem for the past two years has been the coach in his room and that it is not much more complicated than that. If he comes out and he looks confident and he's not triple pumping and he's looking for a guy and then running with authority, problem solved. But I don't know that until I see it. So... I'll tell you at halftime. Well, I, I'm assuming we're going to do some kind of stuff at halftime, maybe, for the yeah, folks we'll, this year. Yeah, we'll do either Facebook Live or YouTube Live, I'm assuming. Okay, probably YouTube Live. You yeah. guys should go subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Cleveland.com Ohio State YouTube channel. We have a boatload of awesome videos in there. We're going to be doing more videos. That kind of thing will be on there live. You can follow live. I'll give you this answer live. Wi-Fi permitting. Wi-Fi per- <sighs> <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Bloomington. What is with this nation? I don't know, man. We can, we can have people look at an eclipse and not go blind, but we can't have Wi-Fi that functions for YouTube Live. I'll give you my answer at halftime. All I need is halftime. Okay. That's Why couldn't we give our answers at halftime? Because I'm, I'm running the show. No. <laughs> That's all I need. You'll know. Do you disagree that you'll know at halftime? No, I, I'll have a pretty good idea. The whole season? Yeah. yeah. You'll know at halftime. Huh? All right. You win games and you put up the numbers. You went down at the end of the day, yeah. and you drive the ball down the field. You move the football team out there as a quarterback. Like, there's not really anything else you can talk about. So, I think the great thing for me is that there's so much football that I still can learn. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's something I can learn every day when it comes to that next level. So, as far as me learning and becoming, you know, stagnant in you know my development with football, I I don't see that being a thing you know, in the near future just because like, there's so much things that I just not sh- don't know and then I could learn and get better at So that's, I think, the great thing about it. And so, like I said, you know, there's going to be things like, you know, people that, you know, say, I won't be able to do this, I won't be able to do that, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, but it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you move the ball, you score a touchdown, you win games, we really don't care what you so this doesn't matter nearly as much to you guys as everything else we just talked about, but we want to touch on this. You just heard JT Barrett talking about the NFL. There was a time when people, including me, including here at Cleveland.com, we made some like Russell Wilson comparisons to JT Barrett. 
at this point, what do we think of JT Barrett as an NFL prospect? And, and how much can he possibly change what we think of him as an NFL prospect based on this year? Uh, probably He probably can't change much. I, he's never going to be a starter in the NFL. I feel pretty confident saying that, and that's not any sort of earth-shattering declaration. Um, I think he can get on a roster. There are some garbage quarterbacks in the NFL who are on rosters. Hot take alert. Yeah, one of them plays for the Browns, and he's tall. Um, is he, he is literally, I think, a foot taller than JT Barrett. He's six foot seven, right? Yeah. JT's like six one, six two. Um I think I think sort of the book, the NFL book has been written on JT and, and he can have a productive season and look better and be more assertive. Like you said, his arm is his arm, and I think that trumps most things when, when it comes to the NFL evaluation. He does not have an NFL arm. Um I think he is pretty accurate. Uh, I know that hasn't always looked the case the last two years. You think he is accurate? He hasn't always been accurate. No, yeah, I know it's kind of it's yeah, it's a bit of an he's, he, it's a bit of an oxymoron. He hasn't been accurate. He hasn't been accurate, but he, but is, he is accurate. accurate. <laughs> I think he can I think he has the capability to be an accurate quarterback this year. But that doesn't matter if you can't get the ball out to the sidelines quickly and can't push it downfield the way the NFL wants you to. But I think he can get on a roster. I think maybe that's what he's playing for this year. And maybe that's not all that glorious, but it's a thing he wants to play in the NFL. That's a fact. Everyone wants to play in the NFL. Sometimes you wonder how realistic guys are about their pro futures. JT Barrett wants to play in the NFL. He wants to at least give it a shot. The people around him say he wants to give it a shot. Um, so I think he's playing for, for roster consideration this year. I don't know if he'll get drafted. Um, I don't think he has draftable traits because his running ability doesn't really matter in the NFL, I don't think. Yeah. I think he's a smart guy. Um, the leadership stuff, I think, comes into play. I think for the most part he's a pretty stand-up dude. Um, and that all comes into consideration as well. But at the end of the day, it's about arm strength, arm talent, and he doesn't have it at the NFL level. You yeah. betting on him, TB? Uh, I'm, I know I've been the optimist at times. I'm going to have to agree with Bill. And I think it kind of falls in the category of some guys are just better college quarterbacks than NFL quarterbacks for, you know, same reasons Bill was saying. You know, when you talk about how cerebral he is, how, you know, he's react, he needs to be reacting instead of thinking, well, the NFL, you have to think more. Because you have to, because there's a lot more window dressing when it comes to NFL defenses. You know, everybody's much smarter at that level. Everybody knows what's going on, um, and unlike in college, where you know you're playing sometimes, like especially, this isn't the case for Barrett, but sometimes guys are playing in warmer climates or whatever. That's not the case in the NFL. You're gonna have to play in places where it's cold in October, where it's windy in October and November, and yeah, there was that game at Michigan State last year where, like, nobody could throw a spiral because yeah. it was windy. And it was like, yeah, that's called the AFC North. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, get used to it. Yeah, and, I mean, you cannot teach arm strength. You also cannot add arm strength necessarily. And, you know, the, no matter how much money you pay Tom House or, or uh, no George, George Woodfield. No matter how much <laughs> kale you eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cody Kessler diet. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know... Again, the, the arm talent is not going to magically get better. So I think as far as, like, NFL talent, very limited. I mean, he could be a backup. You know, he could be a guy where if you need him to be a guy that holds down the has to hold down the fort for a game or two, maybe. Um, but, again, you know, his what he does well doesn't just doesn't translate. And that's just the case for guys because college in the NFL, it's a completely different game and probably even more so with the way the spread is basically just – it's the norm in college football. In the NFL, you re- it just 
it's probably never going to be that way. I mean, they, they certainly are adding spread concepts to the NFL, yeah, but it's slowly. Um, but if they're, if they're knocking guys like Deshaun Watson for the offense they ran and the reads they did or didn't make, I mean, Deshaun Watson has a lot more NFL attributes than JT Barrett has. So um, I don't think he's an NFL player. NFL player or NFL quarterback? Oh, God. I don't think, but I don't think he is what Braxton is. I don't think he's what Greg Ward is. Um, we have seen that a lot. Um, I just want to talk for an hour about JT Barrett, NFL running back. Yeah, he's not a receiver. He's not a receiver. He played receiver in high school. I don't think he's fast enough to be a receiver. I don't think he's fast or big enough to be a receiver and shifty enough to be a receiver. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd have to hand him the ball. I think he now could he be Denard Robinson? Denard Robinson is, in that, is was a running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So was Michael Robinson. And and like Michael Robinson, the Penn State quarterback was like a special teams guy in Seattle for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know what happened to Denard. Is he still in the Jaguars? I don't but know. Denard got like that might be the best comparison. I think. I don't think. Th- I do not think. Except they're a, not. They're they are nowhere near the same kind of athlete. Yeah, they are not. But he's not a Braxton Miller, and they are not the same kind of athlete. But in terms of. Actually, Michael Robinson is probably a better comparison yeah. because Michael Robinson is a thicker guy, a stronger Denard guy. is a free agent, according to Google. So we can get into that. We have plenty of time to get into that. Yeah, we got uh, yeah, this season. We got, can yeah. JT Barrett be a, be a tight end in the NFL? Um, that's sort of not the point. I don't think he has the arm to do it in the NFL. Yeah. And again, if we're sitting here talking that like he's saying the problem was he had too many decisions to make and at the line of scrimmage and stuff, again, that's not a great sign for the NFL. That yeah. If, he, if we think his success is going to be predicated on go fast, go back to sort of like first read or run, be decisive, you know, again, that's not the reality of the NFL. So, but, but mostly it's arm. Mostly it's arm. And just straight up size and arm talent. I just don't think it's there. And it's even not, like, again, like, Troy Smith was a fifth-round pick in the NFL. And I think, you know, again, and you guys know the story. It's like he was in line to get a chance to be the starting quarterback in, in Baltimore and, like, got mono during the preseason and sort of opened the door for Joe Flacco, and the rest is history on that. Um, I think Dr- Troy Smith had a lot more NFL attributes than JT Barrett has Better in terms arm. of arm and um, ability to – I don't know that JT is going to make like a lot of – the things that make him a great quarterback, and this is your point, Tim, and we talked about it a lot with Oklahoma, he's not a crazy person. He's not going to turn his back on the play – you know, Troy Smith would sometimes turn his back on the play and, and then chuck it 50 yards. JT Barrett is going to get six yards for you and not make that play, which is great for Ohio State, which I don't know is going to help him as much in the NFL. So, Because um, some of that makes something out of nothing is why, whether you do it like Ben Roethlisberger or whether you do it like a guy who, like Aaron Rodgers, because you're running around or whatever and then making a throw on the run, he's just, he's just I just don't think it's going to happen. So yeah. we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Because um, that's not what it's about for him. It's about being the best quarterback he can be for Ohio State. Yeah. And he can be a really – he has been a really good quarterback for Ohio State. Listen, and if JT, if you're listening to this, and of course you're not because you're not Billy Price, um, <laughs> we can end up sounding negative about JT Barrett because I think we do real talk about JT Barrett. Yeah. And I think if you watch the second half of Ohio State season, you have to do real talk about JT Barrett. I think in the end – God, we've gone long. I think we can say this. We respect JT Barrett as a player. We respect him as a person. He has been an unbelievable Ohio State Buckeye for his entire career. Ohio State has been lucky to have him. He has saved Ohio State's bacon a million 
times. They would have not had the 2014 season they had without him. They would have not beaten Michigan last year without him. They would have not beaten Penn State in 2015 without him. 2014 or 2015. They had Penn State back-to-back years? No, 2016. Wait, what was the what was the Joey Bosa sack year at Penn State? That was 14. 14. It was 14? All right. That 14 year was crazy. Yeah. He's like a maniac. He is like a, and again, go watch the video. Go listen to the way people talk about him. Because they're not blowing smoke. This is what they really think about this guy. They think he is as tough. They think he is as selfless. They think he is as much of a leader as they have ever seen. Um, and at Ohio State and a lot of places in college football, your arm does not define you as a quarterback. There's a lot of other things that define you. So... Uh, that other JT Barrett spin that I put on it a couple hours ago, however long this <laughs> podcast has gone, uh, I said I didn't buy it 100%. I buy a lot. I buy parts of that, that you can look at JT Barrett and think he has done a lot of amazing things for Ohio State, and there might be an amazing season ahead. But um, I think we just want to see it a little bit before yeah. we believe it for sure. So that was our JT Barrett podcast. Listen, it's JT Barrett week. Go read everything. Big land story coming Thursday. Timeline records, video of, of, of guys talking about him, a breakdown with gifs of the best and worst plays of JT Barrett. Go to cleveland.com. Who else has given you this stuff for free or for money? Nobody. 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 T-B-B-L-D-L. That's who's giving it to you. <laughs> Read it at cleveland.com. Thanks for listening to uh, Buckeye Talk. Find it on iTunes. Find it a lot of other different places. Um, Thanks to you guys. Thanks to JT Barrett for giving Bill Landis a little yeah. time. Yeah. We, we always appreciate when Ohio State makes that happen. We appreciate when the players make that happen. So for Tim Bielek, for Bill Landis, TB, nice job on the first pod, baby. Thanks. Are you I'm feeling it or what? Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a good fl- vibe right here right now. Yeah. Mm. I feel like a decent vibe. I burped. <laughs> well, outside of that. I don't think I, it's like a, this is like our 94th episode. I don't think I've burped in an episode before. Oh, first time for everything. All right. Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.